Well, welcome everyone to this IP podcast. And thanks so much, Brian Johnson, for having us from Minnesota on the podcast today. We're looking forward to sharing about the synthetic drug epidemiologic investigation here in Minnesota with you today. And for context, about a year and a half ago or so, uh, several physicians in northeastern Minnesota, in the city of Duluth, which is right on Lake Superior, the physicians contacted Ruth, uh, Dr. Ruth Linfield, our state epidemiologist, uh, with great concern about the number of cases that they were treating in their main trauma centers in town related to synthetic drug uh, use. So Dr. Linfield spoke with my colleagues and me, and my name is Mark Kindy. I head up the Injury and Violence Prevention Program for the Minnesota Department of Health in the state of Minnesota. And Dr. Linfield wondered if we could collaborate together on data collection and analysis on framing this up as a public health problem and really pursue an epidemiologic investigation. So that was the the impetus and the incentive behind this. We had the great privilege of having a Centers for Disease Control funded public health associate with us. You'll hear her shortly, Sarah Dugan. And Sarah became the kind of the arms and legs and on the ground brain for doing the investigation and the case finding uh, there in in the Duluth area. So she was able to dedicate a significant amount of her time to working with our field epidemiologist in the northeastern Minnesota area and doing the case finding at the hospitals and doing a lot of the analysis. And so she worked with uh, Dr. Linfield and my colleagues in in helping to, to operationalize the investigation. Ruth, does that sound like a good overview? That does. That That is really helpful, Mark. And I also want to add in the collaboration that we had with the emergency room physicians at the hospitals in Duluth, as well as the cooperation of the head of the Hennepin Regional Poison Control Center um, in Minnesota. And, and they were really instrumental uh, in order to our being able to conduct this investigation. I think it's a great point. That was that was huge. The fact that it was all of these groups then working together, the poison, the regional poison control center, and as you say, our emergency uh, department physicians on the ground at the hospitals, the trauma centers in Duluth, and then in the surrounding areas, they were alerted to the case definition and on were watching for case cases to come to their respective hospitals the fact that there was this partnership active partnership really made this happen so uh, dr linfield what just what are synthetic drugs synthetic drugs or designer drugs are drugs synthesized in a laboratory that mimic the effects of known opioids stimulants or hallucinogens but have a slightly altered chemical structure in minnesota these substances are illegal And by modifying the chemical structure, they actually may be hard to detect on laboratory testing. 
two types of synthetic drugs that are commonly used and that we're going to talk about today are cathinones and cannabinoids. Cathinones are structurally related to amphetamines. They are sold as bath salts, jewelry cleaner, plant food, pipe cleaner, and incense, and have product names that include Riptide, Bloom, Bliss, Ivory Wave, Vanilla Sky, and Cloud Nine. Cathinones are an amphetamine-like stimulant that are found naturally in the cot plant. Synthetic cannabinoids, the other group that we're going to be talking about today, are often referred to as synthetic marijuana. And these are applied onto plant materials such as dried herbs. These drugs mimic the effects of tetrahydrocannabinol, or THC, which is the psychoactive component of marijuana. These drugs have product names that include K2, Spice, Spice Gold, Bizarro, Black Mamba, Spicealicious, and K3 Legal. And in the United States, synthetic drugs are sold in a variety of places, such as convenience stores, head shops, and on the Internet. By labeling these substances as not for human consumption, manufacturers try to evade the law and evade FDA oversight. Frequent product name changes, indirect labeling, and the use of untested, often undetectable chemicals make these synthetics particularly dangerous. Well, thanks, Dr. Linfield. That's um, excellent overview of so what these are. What, what are the clinical effects of synthetic drugs? Well, Mark, the synthetic cathinones can produce euphoria and increase sociability and sex drive, but some users experience paranoia, agitation, hallucinatory delirium. Some display psychotic and violent behavior, and deaths have been reported. Yeah, that, well, that was part of the problem, I think, too, when the emergency room physicians in Duluth came to you, right, because they had seen some of these really extreme behaviors. That's right. Both the cathinones and the cannabinoids can have uh, really um, significant clinical effects. The, the cannabinoids can also produce elevated mood, and relaxation, but can produce agitation, altered perception, and in some cases, the effects are even stronger than those of marijuana. Some users of these synthetic marijuana products have reported psychotic effects like extreme anxiety, paranoia, and hallucinations. Seizures, acute kidney injury, and deaths have also been reported. And, and, and so you can see that synthetic drugs can pose a serious health risk to users, and, and these are the acute effects. Because contents are not tested or approved for consumption by the FDA, it's extremely difficult to determine just what a user is actually putting in their body. So these synthetic drugs can be cut with other substances, and there's no way to know what those substances are. Wow, which makes then the whole detection and the whole appropriate treatment makes that particularly challenging. So this was 
I probably all what fed into the your peer physician colleagues in the Duluth area contacting you. So maybe review again for us how how did the Minnesota Department of Health or MDH investigation get get initiated? Maybe just give us a, that story again, that overview of of how they came to you and you got involved in kind of your first thinking as you came to us in the in the injury and violence prevention program. Well, well, as you mentioned, physicians in Duluth uh, were getting very concerned. It also was the case that law enforcement professionals were dealing with many people who had taken synthetic drugs. And, and so uh, actually there were uh, many folks in Duluth who were quite concerned about what was going on there. And MDH was asked to take a look at the situation and estimate the health care burden that these substances were causing. Um, and again, as I had mentioned a moment ago, th- this is really the acute impact. We really don't have a sense of what the long-term impact is going to be on people who have been using these drugs. But anecdotally, there were a lot of emergency room visits. Peace officers were dealing with very agitated and violent individuals. And in July 2013, the Commissioner of Health at the Minnesota Department of Health authorized our state health department to conduct the investigation in Duluth. Good. Thank you, Dr. Linfield. Thank you for that frame and the background on uh, synthetic drugs and their clinical manifestations. So, Sarah Dugan, as our Centers for Disease Control or CDC public health associate, you had a chance to uh, work with Dr. Linfield and our other epidemiologists in in kind of learning how on the ground um, epidemiologic investigations are are handled, how they're put into place, and so. What were your, uh, Sarah, what were your investigation methods? Thanks, Mark. Um, So we used a case series design, and we examined medical records of 78 patients who presented at two hospitals in Duluth um, with some mention of synthetic drugs in their medical record. And that was between January and September of 2013. So the first step in our investigation was to identify cases of synthetic drug use. And this turned out to be challenging because there's no specific hospital code or ICD-9 code for synthetic drug use. So initially we thought we could identify cases by finding a code combination that would be common among cases of synthetic drug use. However, after abstracting just 34 cases, it became apparent that this was not going to be a viable strategy. The cases were just too, they had too many different codes with them. So the Hennepin Regional Poison Center was identified as being uniquely positioned to help identify cases because of their 24-7 emergency call center, which receives calls about synthetic drug use. The Poison Center and several emergency physicians at Duluth hospitals partnered with the Minnesota Department of Health to conduct the study. Thanks, Sarah. What what were your key findings? So demographically, the patients were predominantly male with a median age of 34 years. They were generally unemployed with a history of polysubstance use and a history of mental illness. 
Most patients were admitted to the hospital, and most arrived via external resources, such as ambulance or police escort. And of the 78 patients studied, more than half, or 56%, were admitted to the hospital. The median length of stay was four days. And to give you some perspective on this, patients admitted to Minnesota hospitals for alcohol-related injuries stay for a median of three days at the hospital. So when compared with alcohol, synthetic drugs actually result in patients being admitted to the hospital for a longer period of time. So in summary, there were at least 78 cases of synthetic drug use that came to emergency department for care in a community with a population of just 100,000 people. And it is important to note that this is likely an underestimate of the healthcare burden of synthetic drugs in Minnesota because we relied on provider recall and cases called into the poison center. So not all cases of synthetic drug use were captured in the study. It's also worth noting that the data are from Duluth, Minnesota, and may not be generalizable elsewhere. However, in the Duluth community, synthetic drugs were found to be a large burden on the healthcare system, in part because of the number of public resources needed to care for each case of synthetic drug use. Well, thanks, Sarah. So that that was an, one of the main objectives, as as Dr. Linfield and our physicians and our our commissioner had charged her was, what's the healthcare burden of the and the impact of the the synthetic drugs on the community and on the state as a whole? Um, you thought some some further and had to have had further conversations about what can be done to prevent synthetic drug use in the community overall. And would you share with us some of your, your thoughts and your findings on that? Sure, yeah. So the fact that most patients in our study had history of polysubstance use and history of mental illness suggests that synthetic drug use is a symptom of existing health issues. So strategies to address the underlying problems of substance use and mental illness could also prevent synthetic drug use. And so to address the underlying issue of drug use, we need to look at why people start using drugs. While most of the patients in our study were middle-aged, research shows that drug use often starts in adolescence. Many known risk factors can lead an adolescent to use substances, such as early aggressive behavior, a lack of parental supervision, drug availability, and poverty. However, for every risk factor, there's also a protective factor that can help counteract it, such as anti-drug policies or a strong neighborhood attachment. So by promoting these protective factors, we can actually help prevent drug use in adolescents. Additionally, the Centers for Disease Control has found that adverse childhood experiences, also called ACEs, such as abuse and neglect, are linked to an increased risk of illicit drug use. By asking patients about their living situation and their experiences of abuse or neglect, physicians can actually help identify youths who might be at risk for abusing drugs, including synthetic drugs. To address the underlying issue of mental illness, we need to look at why people develop mental illnesses. There are many risk factors for developing mental illness, including genetics, post-traumatic stress disorder, traumatic brain injuries, drug abuse, and child abuse. Some of these such as the biological factors, cannot be changed, while others, such as traumatic brain injuries, drug abuse, or child abuse, can be prevented. So in summary, here are three main takeaway points. Number one, synthetic drug use is dangerous, and it can lead to severe effects. 
Number two, collaboration between public health, poison centers, physicians, and other partners is necessary to monitor drug use trends and prevent drug abuse. And finally, strategies to address the underlying health issue of substance use and mental illness are important to prevent synthetic drug use. Sarah, thanks. That's, uh, that's co- comprehensive. I like your your moving, you know, identifying the fact that you had, in our case, a lot of our patients or a majority of our patients were were middle age or that young adults and middle age. But you got to thinking about how we move that and expand that beyond recognizing that a lot of drug use and or addictive behaviors can have their genesis in um, childhood or adolescence. So thinking about what we might do on a broader, on a public health scale to think about and recognize the the import of of mental illness or the corollary, how do we promote mental health um, and, and deal with this polysubstance use. So thanks a lot. Dr. Linfield, any any other thoughts or observations as you uh, review and think back to what we've done, and and maybe how we're how we're doing now? We've been case finding through emergency departments and hospitals, ongoing through this year, trying to keep physicians alert as to what as to recognize cases that come in, um, equipping our regional poison control center to uh, give advice and counsel. Any thoughts on how we're doing? Um, now in Minnesota and things that we might do differently and or ideas to export to other states and other countries uh, around the world? Yes, I think that um, one of the main points that really is is worth emphasizing again and again is that these individuals are individuals who use and abuse other substances. And uh, there was... Uh, a large proportion of them that did have a history of mental illness. And so really, um, we need to focus efforts into trying to help these individuals upstream so that they don't end up in a position where they are using and abusing substances. I think that we had a real big issue with synthetic drugs in Duluth because the drugs were accessible. However, now that people have clamped down on synthetic drugs in Duluth, we are seeing heroin use go up. And so it is one of these situations where it's important to take a comprehensive look. We need to be able to understand what are the factors that put these individuals at risk. And that was so well articulated by Sarah. We also need to partner with folks on the ground who are working with these individuals and ensure that there are appropriate services that can help them and help them deal with their substance use and abuse and with the other factors that they are experiencing so that they are able to deal with Uh, their substance problem and also be able to go on and and have the strength to have a healthy life. It's a problem for communities. It isn't just a problem for emergency room physicians or for peace officers, but I think our communities really have to invest in mental health 
and in working together to ensure the health of the people in their communities. Well, Dr. Ruth Linfield, uh, state epidemiologist from Minnesota, and Sarah Dugan, our CDC public health associate, thanks for framing up about how we want people to live and to live well in Minnesota.